Well, I'm going to conclude um, our home series this morning with a message entitled, Beware of Chaldeans. Beware of Chaldeans. Now, some of you look at that and you think, what in the world does that mean? Hopefully by the end of the service today you will understand what I'm talking about when I say beware of Chaldeans. Before I read from Habakkuk chapter 1, I just want to read a passage of scripture from Acts chapter 13. And let me just kind of set it up for you here just a little bit. But in Acts chapter 13, the apostle Paul is in a city called Antioch of Pisidia. He's not in Antioch, Syria. Antioch, Syria is where the great New Testament missionary church was. It was the church that ordained and anointed and sent out Paul and Barnabas to do kingdom work. But it's not in Antioch, Syria that Paul is when he speaks these words. He's in Antioch, Pisidia. It's kind of like Athens, Alabama and Athens, Greece. You got the same city, but in two completely different locations. And Antioch, Pisidia was a place that was filled with unbelievers, a place that was filled with people who were continually to reject that Jesus was the Messiah. And so Paul preaches a message to them. He preaches the gospel to them. He talks about the incarnation of God, how that God came to this earth as a man, uh, his name was Jesus. And how that Jesus died on a cross, he was buried in a tomb, rose again, and that he is the Messiah. And Paul then looked at the people in Antioch, Pisidia, and he said to them, Now I know that you're not going to believe this, even though God has sent one to tell you. And he said, The reason why you're not going to believe this is because there is an enemy that has blinded you to the truth of the gospel. And then that's when Paul shares these words. He said, beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. And then he speaks some words from Habakkuk chapter 1. He said, behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. Now, in order for us to understand everything that Paul has in mind here, and believe me, when he spoke this word, most of these people would have understood the reference that he was making to Habakkuk chapter 1. So now let's look at Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Here's what God says. You've got Habakkuk the prophet who's been crying out to God because the nation of Israel has enwrapped themselves, engulfed themselves in idolatry and immorality. And Habakkuk has been crying out to God and said, God, how much longer are you going to tolerate this? How much longer are you going to let your people get away with this? And then God speaks to Habakkuk and he said, I'm going to do something about it, but it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. Because Habakkuk was praying for a revival, but God said it's going to take more than a revival to turn these people's hearts back to me. And so notice what he said. He said, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded 
And here's those same words. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe though it were told you. He said, for I indeed am raising up the Chaldeans. Now your Bible may say Babylonians because Chaldeans and Babylonians were one in the same. But what I want you to notice here is that Habakkuk introduces us to this group of people called Chaldeans. Now, Chaldeans are an Old Testament type and picture of our enemy in the New Testament, even our enemy today. It is a picture of evil demonic forces that have come to destroy the people of God. And that's exactly what Chaldea wanted to do. And look at this. God says, I'm the one who is raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Now notice, God said, I'm going to take this wicked, violent nation. I'm going to use them to fulfill my purpose. But God would also say that once I have finished and fulfilled my purpose through them, he said, I will utterly destroy them. And in 539 B.C., we find that that happened, that God utterly destroyed the Chaldeans. And after 539 B.C., 539 years before Christ came, God utterly destroyed the Chaldeans. And you never hear of them again as a nation. And you never hear of them again as an ethnicity. That's why the people, when they heard Paul speaking about this reference to Chaldeans, thought Paul had lost his mind. Paul, these Chaldeans have not been a nation. They've not even been an ethnicity since 539 B.C. But what Paul was saying was that just as the Chaldeans came to steal, kill, and destroy the people of God, so do you have an enemy, and so do you have an adversary, and so are there evil and demonic spirits that have been sent to try to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me tell you this, God can even use the enemy, God can use the devil and his demons to fulfill his purpose. But here's the good news, and that is that once God is finished with the enemy, once God has fulfilled his purpose, the Bible tells us there's coming a day when God will utterly destroy our enemy and we will never hear from him or have to put up with him again. Somebody ought to give God thanks for that. Amen. The Chaldeans was a very small nation. It was a nation about the size of New Jersey. But even though they were a very small nation, they were a very powerful nation. Matter of fact, the Chaldeans would, in their smallness, they would overtake larger nations like Assyria and Babylon. But we continue to read about them and says, For indeed, he said, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. And just as God spoke through Habakkuk the prophet and told him to tell the people, Beware. 
And just as he spoke through Paul and told Paul to tell the people, beware, I believe that the Holy Spirit would speak through me this morning and say to the families of Summerton Church of God, beware because there's an enemy after your marriage. Beware because there is an enemy after your family. Beware because there is an enemy after your home. And this morning, I want to just try and enlighten you to a few things about these Chaldeans that we need to beware of. And the first thing that we need to beware of is this, and that is that Chaldeans are thieves. They are thieves, and that shouldn't surprise us because John 10 and 10 tells us that we have an adversary, an enemy, who comes to do what? To steal. To steal. He is a thief. Listen again in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 6 about these Chaldeans. He said, I'm raising them up, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth. And he said, here's what they're going to do, to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Notice he's not coming to possess dwelling places that already belong to him. Marriages that already belong to him. Families that already belong to him. Homes that already belong to them. He's coming to possess dwelling places that are not their own. In other words, he's coming for the people of God. And you and I need to be aware of that. Notice what Psalm, one, or, or Psalm chapter 83 Verses 1 through 4, talking about our enemy. It says this, the psalmist said, O God, don't sit idly by, silent and inactive. Don't you hear the tumult of your enemies? Don't you see what your arrogant enemies are doing? Have you ever felt that way, God? Do you not see what your enemies are doing? Do you not see what your enemies are up to? And then in verse 3, he said, They devise crafty schemes against your people, laying plans against your precious ones. Come, they say, let us wipe out Israel as a nation. Today, the enemy would say, let us wipe out the church. Let us wipe out the people of God as a nation. And then he says, we will destroy the very memory of its existence. And then on in that chapter, verse 12, who said, these enemies who said, let us take to ourselves, look at this, the houses of God in possession. It doesn't say it more clearly than that. Can't say it more clearly than that. That there is an enemy who is after your marriage. There is an enemy who is after your family. There is an enemy who is after your home. Matter of fact, when we go to Daniel chapter 1, let me show you a couple of things that he's trying to steal from you. In Daniel chapter 1, we looked at this just a few weeks ago. Verses 1 through 5, it says that in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Now let me tell you something about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean. He was a Chaldean who was put in charge in 605 BC that once Chaldea had overtaken Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar was put in as the king over Babylon, but he was a Chaldean. And in 605 BC is when this takes place. It says in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem 
and besieged it. And what is it that this Chaldean wants? What is it that he steals? Look at this. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God. Now we're going to find out in a moment. This is the silver and the gold. These are the tithes and the offerings that people have brought to the house of God that the enemy is stealing out of the house of God. And notice it says that he carried it into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. But then notice that the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel. And he's literally talking about children. He's talking about young men and women and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men. Now notice he's taking them captive. Young men in whom there was no blemish but good looking. Now, I'm just saying, I probably been one of those that was taken. <laughs> Some of you probably feel the same way. The only thing that would probably exempt me is young men. But there was no blemish but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, see, possessing knowledge and quick. To understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now notice two things that this Chaldean king came and stole from God or came and stole from the people of God. Number one, he stole the gold and the silver. He stole the tithe and the offerings out of the house of God. But not only did he steal tithes and offerings, he also stole the next generation. And listen to me, when we talk about Chaldeans, we've got to understand they are thieves. And what he's done in the house of God, he wants to do in your own house. And the way that he now steals tithes and offerings from God is to get you in a situation to where you feel like you cannot trust God enough to provide for you. And so you hold back for yourself the tithe and the offerings that belong to God because the enemy knows that if I can keep the resources away from God's house and if I can destroy the next generation or reprogram the next generation to think the way that I think, to think the way culture thinks, if I can take the resources and if I can take the next generation then I can shut down this thing called the church and I can shut down this thing called the kingdom of God. You see ladies and gentlemen we need to be aware. This is why it's so in my heart to begin a school of ministry here at Summerton Church of God because I want us to be able to take this next generation and I want us to be able to teach them the things of God. I want us to be able to teach them in depth the principles and the truths of God's Word. I want us to be able to help them to discover their identity in Christ, who God has created them to be, what God's plan is for their life, what God's purpose is for their life, what God's calling is 
purpose for their life, how God has shaped them for ministry. We've got to beware. The enemy wants to steal the next generation, but God wants us to take responsibility to bring this generation up in the fear and in the admonition and to nourish this next generation in the things of God. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And it's not just in this house that he's attempting to do that. He wants to do that in your house. He is a thief, a thief. And listen, he knows. He knows that if he can keep you or if he can get you to a place to where you hang on to what belongs to God, that there will always be access for him into your life and into your family. The Bible says that if we bring all the tithe into the storehouse, God said, I will. He said, prove me and see whether or not I will not rebuke the devourer for your sake. And then he said, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour you out such blessing that you will not be able to contain it. I told the staff this past week, I said, I'd rather live on 90% blessed any day of the week than 100% cursed. Amen. I'm not going to allow the enemy to cause me to steal from God and to hinder the progress that God wants to make in Summerton, Alabama. Amen? We're, we're going to beware. We're not going to let the enemy steal our resources, and we're not going to let him steal the next generation from us. Chaldeans, beware. They're thieves. Here's another thing we need to understand about Chaldeans. They're vicious. They're vicious. Notice what Habakkuk says. And you understand that Habakkuk is speaking as the Holy Spirit gives him the words to speak, here's what he says about the Chaldeans. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce, look at this, than evening wolves. I'm going to come back and talk to you about what an evening wolf is here in just a moment. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. Notice how vicious the Chaldeans are. He said they come or, or they all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like the sand. Isn't that like our enemy? Isn't that like our adversary? You see in how these Chaldeans are a type and symbol of demonic forces and our enemy in this day and time? Notice as we look at Ezekiel 22 and 27 what he had to say about these same enemies of God. He said, her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. He's a thief. Zephaniah 3 and 3, the same thing. He says, her princes in her midst are like roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave not a bone till morning. Do you know what an evening wolf is? An evening wolf is a hungry wolf. An evening wolf is a wolf that has searched all day long for food. A wolf that has, surfed, or searched, that has searched all day long for, for prey and hasn't found anything. And now night has come. And that wolf is hungry. And that wolf is eager. And that wolf is desperate for a prey. And he said that's the way that the Chaldeans, that's the way our enemy is. He is a hungry wolf. Now you would think, you would think that 
at some point in time, the devil would have a little bit of mercy in some of our situations. But how many of you know the devil has no mercy? No. I've heard some people say, well, you would think, you know, with all that I've been going through, with, with, with the tragedy that I've experienced, you know, with, with all the difficulty that I've come through lately, that the devil would give me a little bit of a break. But listen to me, the devil will never give you a break. As a matter of fact, that's when he attacks you most is when you're weak. That's when he attacks you most is when you're weary. It's when you are worn out. One thing you need to know about these Chaldeans is they were marsh people before they overtook Babylon. They were people who lived in the marsh, and they were expert archers. And any time that you would get on their territory walking through that marsh, and your feet would get stuck down in that mud, and you would look down to, to try to help determine where your next step would be, the moment that you would look down is the moment that they would ambush you. Is the moment that they would take those arrows and shoot and destroy and kill their enemy. They are vicious. Listen to me. The enemy has no mercy whatsoever. And you and I need to be aware of that. We have an enemy that's trying to take us down. I don't think, I don't think a lot of people of God understand that, that we have an enemy that's trying to destroy your marriage, he's trying to destroy your family. He's trying to destroy your home. And, and you and I, we need to be aware of this. We, 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 we need to understand and, and we need to continually have our guard up and be prepared for whatever it is that the enemy might try to bring against us. Beware of Chaldeans. They're thieves. They're vicious. Matter of fact, I talked to one individual who had done an in-depth study on wolves. And here's what he sent me. He said, he said, the Lord did not teach us about predators to teach us animal control or children's fables. He says, wolves and sheep cannot coexist. When wolves appear, now hear this. He said, when wolves appear most casual and innocent, even interesting to the watch, they're studying you. They're sizing you up for the attack. He said, the more indifferent they seem, the more serious the danger. They're preparing for the pack attack. He said, when a wolf howls, he's calling for other wolves to join him in the attack. And he said that the more comfortable they appear, and here's what you and I need to see. That the more, com the more comfortable they appear, the more deadly they are. They're vicious. Which brings us to the third thing. And can I just say this real quick? That if the enemy had his way, he would have taken you out at your birth. If he had had his way. Just like with Moses when he tried to take Moses out at his birth. Just like with Jesus when he tried to kill Jesus at his birth. If he had his way, he would kill you before there was ever the possibility of God doing anything great in your life. Which brings me to the final thing about these Chaldeans. And that is, they are cunning. They're cunning. I mean, let, let, me, let me just share this one scripture with you here that Paul said. In Acts chapter 20 verse 29 to the church at Ephesus. He was about to leave them, and he's speaking to the elders as he's departing from them. And he said, for I know this, that after my departure... Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. You do know that the enemy, the devil, cares nothing about us. 
His only mission is to destroy us. His only mission is to come into this house and try to divide us and to conquer us. He'll do everything that he possibly can to stop the work that God wants to do in this house. You hear me. We've got to beware of that. And we've got to know that he is cunning. Listen, listen to what Habakkuk 1 and 15 says. It says this about the Chaldeans. It says they take up all of them with a hook. Now in verse 14, all men have been compared to fish. And he's saying that if all men are like fish, then the Chaldeans take them all up with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. They're cunning. They see us like fish, and they've studied us. Just like some of you fishermen study certain species of fish, and you know exactly what kind of bait you need to catch that fish because you know what that fish's weakness is. Let me tell you something. The enemy has studied you, and the enemy has sized you up. Now listen, he is not omniscient. He is not omniscience. He is, he is not all-knowing like God is. Okay, So he doesn't know everything about you. The only thing he knows about you is what you've revealed to him. In the way that you live your life and in the words that you speak, he studies you, he sizes you up, and he knows what your weaknesses are. You also need to know this. You also need to know that the devil is not omnipresent. That he can't be everywhere at the same time. Remember that the next time you say, I had an encounter with the devil himself this week. No, probably not. Probably what you did is you had an encounter with some of his demons from hell that he sent to torment you. I mean, when you look in the Bible, you see that Jesus was perhaps one of the only one, maybe a few others, that had a direct encounter with Satan himself. And in the wilderness, when Jesus was tempted, the real dude showed up. It was Satan himself. And do you know when he showed up to tempt Jesus? When Jesus was at his weakest point. And do you know what kind of bait he put on the hook? Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. And do you know what he put on the hook? He put bread on the hook. Of course, Jesus overcame that temptation and stood true to his father. What about David? Think about David. It, 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 it takes a mastermind. The enemy had studied David's life. And he knew what David's weakness was. It wasn't just by coincidence that David walks up onto the roof of the king's house one evening and looks next door and sees a beautiful woman bathing herself. The enemy knew what his weakness was. And he took the bait and he put it on the hook. And David, like so many of us sometimes, went for the bait. And in going for the bait, was in bondage, was caught by the enemy cunning notice they take all of them up with a hook they catch them in their net and listen to me he has studied you he has sized you up he knows where you're weak he knows where you struggle and that's why you have got to beware of how cunning and how deceptive he is because he knows the kind of bait that gets your attention Listen to Daniel chapter 2, verse 2. This is when the king has had a dream, and he's wanting some interpretation and some clarity to the dream. So it says that the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, 
and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. Now, I want you to notice that synonymous with magicians, astrologers, and sorcerers are Chaldeans. These three others are in the art of deception. Magicians, think about it. Here's what a magician is. A magician is somebody who distracts you in order to deceive you. If you've ever gone to, a, to watch a professional magician, he always says it's about the art of distraction and deception. Magicians. A sorcerer or, or an astrologer is somebody that thinks that we can determine our future by how the stars line up or how the planets line up. And can I just tell you something? That's a crock. You don't need to be reading your horoscope to determine what your future is. God himself said that I have a plan for your life. And it's a plan to not harm you, but a plan to give you what? A hope and a future. God is the one who holds your future in his hand. And if you want to know what your future is all about, you need to talk to God about that. Amen. Because sorcerers and astrologers and magicians, a sorcerer is somebody literally that is possessed by an evil spirit. Somebody that leads you to believe that through those kinds of spirits you can see into your future and know what your future is like. And notice, synonymous with that are Chaldeans. Why? Because Chaldeans have come to deceive you. They have come to distract you. They have come to destroy you. That's exactly what your enemy is trying to do. And his whole purpose is he wants to take possession of the houses of God, the marriages of God, the families of God. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 and 11 that we need to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles, against the strategies, against the methods of the devil. And that's why Peter, and Peter should know this more than anybody else because he experienced this in his life. He was blindsided by the enemy. And so he said, be sober, be vigilant, be sober, be alert because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm not trying to put fear on anybody this morning. That is not the purpose of this message. But you need to know that there is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's roaming to and fro in this earth. And he's studying you. He knows your weaknesses. And do you know that the first sheep that the enemy usually goes after, the first sheep that a lion or a wolf goes after is usually the sick or the weak or the worn out or listen to this those that have gotten out of the pack out of the sheepfold and they're out there on the fringes they're out on the fringe. Listen, if you, if you want to survive, you've got to stay close to the shepherd. Amen? Close to the shepherd. Yes, there is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But notice it says he is like a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is a roaring lion. But what Revelation 5 and 5 tells us is do not weep. Do not be fearful. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has pre prevailed. Hallelujah. Somebody thank God for the lion of the tribe of Judah today who is worthy of our praise. 
He has prevailed over that roaring lion. See, I said earlier, wolves and sheep cannot coexist. Wolves are looking for those sheep that are out there on the fringes, that have strayed away from the sheepfold and from the shepherd. But notice in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4, and we'll close with this passage. Psalmist David said this. He said, I will fear no evil. Yes, we know we have an enemy. We know we have an adversary who's seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Just like the Chaldeans in the Old Testament. But you know what? I will not fear. And the reason why I will not fear is because you, Lord, you are with me. And then notice what it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Have you ever thought about the difference between the rod and the staff? Because sometimes we think that the rod of the shepherd is there to beat the sheep and to keep the sheep in line and to keep the sheep disciplined. Well, let me tell you something. If he was using the rod to beat the sheep, that's not comforting. Amen? And this scripture says his rod and his staff comfort us. How do I get comfort from a shepherd who has a rod and a staff? Well, his staff has a hook on the end of it so that when the sheep get out of line or when a sheep is in trouble, he can just reach over gently and he can put that hook around the neck of the sheep and he can pull that sheep back into the sheepfold. That's comforting. And then with the rod, do you know what the rod of the shepherd is for? It's not for the sheep, it's for the wolves. It's for the lions. It's for him to beat the living daylights out of the wolf. It's for him to beat the living daylights out of the lion. That's what the rod is for. It's to beat the snot out of the devil. That's what the rod is for. And I take comfort in that. And so I'm not going to be out there on the fringes. No, and if you're on the fringes, if you're out there in the fray, you know what you need to do? You need to say, mm, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And you need to get as close to the shepherd as you can possibly get and as close to the middle of that sheepfold as you can possibly get and take comfort in knowing that you have a shepherd who is there to protect you and you have a shepherd who is there to keep you in the fold. Somebody ought to just thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because what you and I need to understand this morning is if we are under an attack by the enemy, what we need to do today is we need to run with all of our strength. We need to run with all of our might. We need to run to the shepherd. Hallelujah. The shepherd who protects us. The shepherd who leads us. The shepherd who guides us. And so I ask you this morning about your marriage. Who's the shepherd of your marriage? I ask you this morning about your family as the team comes. Who's the shepherd? over your family and we need to ask ourselves about this house who's the shepherd of this house and in all three instances his name is Jesus it's Jesus and we run we run 
When our marriage is under attack, we run to the shepherd. When our family is under attack, we run to the shepherd. When our resources are under attack, we run to the shepherd. And he'll take that rod. And he will literally beat the snot out of your enemy. Matter of fact, can I just let you in on something? Job tells us about a day when the Redeemer will come and he will break the teeth of the lion, of a roaring lion, that he'll break the teeth. Do you know when he did that? He did that when he went to the cross and when he resurrected. He kicked the teeth out of the devil's mouth. All he can do is roar. He roars to intimidate you. But you've heard the old statement, for us believers who are walking in faith and trust in God, he's all bark. Are you listening to me? He's all bark and no bite because Christ has defeated him. He has defeated him, and the Bible says that when he went to Calvary, he stripped him of his authority. He stripped the devil of his power. And the only power and the only authority that the enemy has over our lives is those places in our lives where we give him authority, where we give him access. He can only bite where we give him room to bite. But don't be intimidated by his roar because the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. And I want to give you a personal invitation to worship with us this Sunday at 1045 here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing some incredible things here, and we want you to be a part of that.